When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. You know, this is not breaking news for longtime Penn State fans. This is something that really has kind of been happening for about 10 years now. But I just want to discuss it today with regards to how different things are with the Penn State football program now compared to how they used to be for just such a long time. What I always like to say is, this is not your father's Penn State football program, or your grandfather's Penn State football program. Well, what am I talking about? So, uh, last Sunday, Penn State fired wide receivers coach Taylor Stubblefield. Um, not, uh, not necessarily a surprising move if you take a look at where Penn State's wide receiver situation was. But if you take a look at the big picture, and I'll get to more in this in a bit, take a look at the big picture, a lot of other factors, you could easily see why they James Franklin would want to move on from Taylor Stubblefield. Okay, so connecting the dots of why I say this is not your father's Penn State football program anymore is, man, just think how we never used to see that kind of thing with Penn State. I started covering the Nittany Lions in 2006. And they had an older veteran staff of assistant coaches who basically were just going to kind of be there forever, you know, for as long as they wanted to be there. Joe Paterno did not like making changes on the staff. And so the joke was really for a number of years that these assistant coaches all just kind of had lifetime contracts. It didn't necessarily matter if they were tremendous at their jobs or average at their jobs or below average at their jobs. They were going to keep their jobs because that's just the way Penn State football was for a long, long time. Now, look, uh, there were coaches that were let go here and there. Sure, there were moves over the years. I'm not saying Joe never fired anybody or never made any kind of change, but especially toward the end when Joe was really in the comfort zone and, and relied on his assistants to do a whole lot of things and kind of carry the weight of the program. You just, you just didn't see Dick Anderson was going to be there. Galen Hall was going to be there. These coaches were just going to be there, you know, and Jay was going to be there. There, there were some outstanding coaches. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of respect for Ron Vanderlinden. He did a terrific job, linebackers coach. Tom Bradley certainly did a tremendous job, the defensive coordinator. But to fire an assistant coach after an 11 and 2 season with a Rose Bowl victory, Joe Paterno would never have done that. Never. But it just goes to show how different things are nowadays and how self evaluation 
has to take place at all times. Whether you go seven and six like Penn State did last year, and we're sitting there saying, I was sitting there saying, hey, maybe Mike Yersich could be fired after this kind of year. Maybe Phil Troutwine could be fired after this kind of season with a bad offensive line. Well, James Franklin held on to those guys. He obviously saw good things, good potential in those guys, and he was rewarded this year. The offense had a really good bounce-back year. The offensive line had a good bounce-back year. Troutwine did a nice job. And Troutwine has been a good recruiter, so that certainly boded well for him. Mike Yersich was given another year, and look what he did. He, he had a big impact um, in developing the offense. Should, so James Franklin gave those guys an extra year. This year, the wide receivers were okay. They were, they were good. Parker Washington was good. Mitchell Tinsley was good. Not great. Some of the younger guys developed okay, but you take a look at Taylor Stubblefield's recruiting, and it just was not up to speed. I mean, you think about, you think about, these are Big Ten, these are just Big Ten recruiter rankings. I looked these up. Just in the Big Ten, not nationally, Taylor Stubblefield was 80th in the Big Ten as an individual recruiter in 2021. 17th in 2022, much better, but 73rd in 2023. And I pointed this out in a story I wrote that Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach at Ohio State, is one of the great recruiters in the whole country. He brings in five-star receivers and they develop their guys and Ohio State always has tremendous receivers. So the point is, if you're going to keep up with Ohio State, you can't have an average or below average wide receiver coach in any way, shape, or form. So they made the move, which needed to be made, but if you go back, again, this is not your father's Penn State football, Joe would not have made that move. The, the self-evaluation, the, the, the analysis of every single thing within the football program is something that James Franklin is good at. It is something he's really good at as a CEO. And you do have to give him a lot of credit for that. He's not just talking the talk. James Franklin certainly does talk about wanting, he doesn't necessarily single out Ohio State, but wanting to be as good as everybody else, competing with everybody else. He obviously knows Ohio State's in his division and league, and you got to compete with them. You got to spend as much money as them, 13 million, as we talked about, he mentioned over the summer. So you take a look at every single member of your program, even when Penn State has all the momentum in the world. 11-2, Rose Bowl, number seven national ranking to finish the season, will be ranked in the top 10 to start next season. And you think, hey, everything, everything is going right for Penn State. Well, not necessarily. Just because a lot of things are going right doesn't mean there might be some holes here or there that need to be filled. And that, again, is where I give James a lot of credit because that's, that's not an easy move to make. That's not the kind of move where you go to a Taylor Stubblefield and say, hey, I know we were 11-2, but we're going to let you go. I don't think James is a heartless and ruthless person. I think Taylor Stubblefield's a good guy, family man. He had just lost his father-in-law two days before who he had passed. And so you got to make a tough move like that. But as I wrote, man, this is cutthroat time, folks. This is, this is put up or shut up time. 
Penn State has a two-year window here in 2023 and 2024 to perhaps win a national championship. And that that just doesn't come along very often. It's been a long, long time since 1986 before since Penn State won a national title. And so James knows what he's got with Drew Aller for the next couple of years. He knows what he's got with Nick Singleton and Catron Allen for the next couple of years. Good offensive linemen, young, young guys and recruits. Good young defensive players. Maybe he can keep Manny Diaz and Mike Yersich. So then you have to start looking at individual areas where maybe you're not as strong as you need to be. And that is just not something Joe Paterno was good at. He just simply was not. He would let guys slide on the staff year after year after year after year after year after year. And so when I talk a lot, I think I did a podcast on this a week or two ago, when I talk a lot about how the expectations have changed at Penn State, there you go. If you go eight and four, nine and four, and you're keeping everybody on your staff because you think they've done a good enough job, and yet James Franklin goes 11 and two and wins a Rose Bowl and fires one of his assistant coaches. What does that tell you about the accountability factor? If you're listening to this, maybe you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. My goodness, on this site, DK, Alex Stump, Chris Hallicka, we write so many stories about the accountability for the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's very, very little accountability. And I've covered the Altoona curve for a long time. Throughout the, throughout the Pirates organization, top to bottom, very little accountability. You can be absolutely terrible. And yet people, people still have jobs. They still, I mean, yeah, there, there have been changes. Don't, don't get me wrong. But by and large, year after year, a lot just seems to slide by with the Pirates. And you can't allow that if indeed your goal is to compete with the absolute very best. Now, are the Pirates truly trying to compete with the very No, <laughs> let's, let's not kid ourselves. They can give you lip service, but the, the Pirates really have no prayer to compete with the upper-level echelon teams in Major League Baseball. Penn State does have the ability to compete with the upper-level teams in college football. But to do that, you have to evaluate everything within your program, and if something, anything, is not up to par, you got to make a change. And so I'm a little surprised we have not seen a replacement named yet for Taylor Stubblefield. Don't know exactly what the timing is. Maybe James Franklin has somebody in mind, but can't quite announce it yet. Who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know what the scenario might be. I figured, we all figured that when you fire an assistant coach, you probably already got somebody waiting in the wings or else why would you make that move? And maybe that is the case. If it's not, eh. Maybe we got to ask some questions. It was posed. I mean, all of this makes sense that he would move on from Taylor Stubblefield, but maybe did something happen? You know, somebody posed that question. Did something big happen that forced his hand at the end and, and it wasn't necessarily a merit based kind of thing? I mean, I, I don't know. The longer it goes on until an, a, a replacement is named, it does create some questions. But, uh, once again, This is not your father's Penn State. This is not your grandfather's Penn State. Status quo, ho-hum, just going, taking care of the business year after year. That's not what James Franklin and Penn State are doing. They're trying to maximize on the great momentum that they have and see if it can lead to an ultimate level of 
getting to a playoff, competing for a championship, and maybe having a chance to win it all in the next year or two. And there is a lot to be said for progress and making change, understanding how things have different, being able to adapt. And look, James himself has moved on from job to job to job to job to job to job over the years. A lot of his assistant coaches have moved on job to job to job to job to job. They're all nomads. They're all used to staying in a place two, three years and moving on. It's not like it was at Penn State where you got a job, Joe was there forever, the assistants were there forever, that's how it was. Hey, I like it better the way it is now. All right, welcome back to the We Are Podcast. I'm going to scoop myself here a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to post this story on the website until probably 6 or 7 o'clock on Sunday night. Um, But these podcasts are kind of meant to hold up for the whole week, and, and they go up early Sunday morning. So I'm going to give you my Penn State record prediction for the season. So if you hear this, still go read the story. (laughs) We we want you to do both, but I don't like to scoop the printed word with uh, the audio. So I'm going to drag this out here a little bit. So I I apologize. Bear with me. I'm going to drag it out in print too. I'm not just going to give it to you. And then, uh, so here's the thing. All right. I'm going to write it this way as well. So if you read the story later on, you'll, You'll read pretty much what I'm saying. If Drew Aller is really, really good, they could go 11 and 1 next year. If something happens with Drew Aller, they could go 8 and 4. I don't think 7 and 5, the schedule is, would probably prevent that. And they've got a lot of other talent, but they could go 8 and 4. So, so folks, We're still in this, no matter how optimistic we want to be about Drew Aller being the next coming of whomever. Maybe he is. And if he is, you want to go ahead and pick 11 and 1? I've, I've considered 11 and 1. He's a big kid. One thing that I do like is he's very big, you know, 6'4, 230. He, he's a truck back there. You would think that would prevent him from getting injured much. Taking a big hit, getting not he if he gets a big hit, you know, he might deliver more of the brunt to the def- defensive guy, you know, in some situations. So best case scenario, he stays healthy all year and he learns and gets better and plays well, blah, blah, blah. They still got to go to Columbus. I'm gonna pick them to lose to Ohio State at, on the road. But I, you know, 11 and 1 is certainly a possibility if he's as good as everybody hopes and thinks. If he's not as good, there's no plan B. If he gets hurt, there's no plan B. If he's up and down, there's really no plan B. That's no disrespect to Bo Prabula from York. Bo could end up being better than anybody, anybody possibly knows as, as a three star recruit. It's possible. But as we go into, he has no, he has no experience whatsoever. If Drew Aller is really good, we can sit here and say 11 and 1 is on the table. If he struggles, 
and he's up and down and he has issues reading defenses or getting into the right play, sure, there's a running game. There's tight ends. The receiver situation is better this week than it was last week. There are weapons. You got a good defense that will keep them in games. But, I mean, if he struggles or, you know, God forbid, gets hurt, you know, 8-4 and four is on the table. We, you can't dismiss that. And he plays in the Big Ten, and he's going to get hit. There are going to be def- defenses in this league that are going to scheme to hit Drew Aller. Now, again, so the fact that he's a big guy, maybe he can withstand all that. When Trace took over as quarterback in 2016, I remember writing and saying, hey, I'm worried about this guy. He's a little guy. He gets hit. Now what? Well, hey, Trace turned out to be one really tough son of a gun. Took a lot of hits. And so now I, I beat around the bush here. I will give you my record prediction. I'm not going 11-1. and one. I'm not doing that. I really have been leaning toward 10 and 2 and 9 and 3. And because Aller still lacks ex- experience, he he other than the Purdue game in the opener, he's not played a meaningful snap. I sit here and I think, you know what? 9 and 3 is very possible. But I'm going to go 10 and 2. My my prediction is 10 and 2. In some ways, because I feel like a jerk because I picked them to go seven and five this year. Uh, and they end up going 11 and two. And look, nobody wants to be, I certainly, maybe Skip Bayless, some wacko like that guy just says and spews a bunch of crazy nonsense that he doesn't believe. I don't want to be wrong. Uh, you have every right to say, Geiger, you're an idiot. You picked them to go seven and five. They went 11 and two. Well, I don't want to do that again. And, especially when you're covering a team, there is a little bit of pressure from you, the fans, to undersell the team. So if I go nine and three, look, I absolutely think they could go nine and three. They could be really good. Drew Aller could be really good and go nine and three. You've got Michigan, you've got Ohio State, you've got Iowa, you've got Illinois. You, you, you could lose three games in the Big Ten. It's It's challenging. Um, Penn State almost lost at Purdue in the opener this year. I think I very I think there's a very good possibility they could lose at Illinois in week three next year. But maybe for some PR value, I'm gonna go 10 and 2. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they lose to lose to Ohio State on the road, and then they lose one other game, either to Illinois on the road in week three or to Michigan. That's a home game, which probably be the wideout, I would think. So I, I'm I, I'm going to go ten and two. Would be a very good year. I'm going to give Drew Aller a lot of the benefit of the doubt that he can stay healthy and he will get better and better and better and play consistently and figure out a lot of things. But even if that's the case, they could still go ten and two. I think eleven and one. I can't. I just can't pick eleven and one because there's too much uncertainty behind Drew Aller. If anything happens. I don't want to pick eight and four because now you sound like a complete a-hole. You know, I picked him to go seven and five last year. I was way wrong. I'm not going to go eight and four. So basically for me, it came down between 10 and two and nine and three. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and go 10 and two. And, and a large part of it is they've got pieces in all other uh, areas that can succeed. This is not going to be just Drew Aller. You've got good, a good running game. The offensive line should be good. The defense should be very good. 
you got Dante Cephas, you got Malik McLean. Now you've got your receiving core. You, you've got pieces that can help out. Drew Aller is not going to have to come out and throw for 3,500 yards for them to win 10 games. He's going to have to throw for 2,500 yards, 2,800 yards. He's going to have to control the interceptions. He's going to have to know when to take off and run, when to get down so that he doesn't get hurt in the secondary, kind of like the Cam Rising kid did for Utah in the Rose Bowl. Now, Drew's much bigger than Cam Rising, but you get the point. So I'm going to go 10-2. and two. Uh, I think the team will be really good in a lot of ways. I think there will be major, major question marks about Drew Aller that he will have to answer at Illinois, at Ohio State, even against teams like Iowa, which are going to, you know, Iowa's the ugliest offense you'll ever see, but they know how to play defense generally. And Kirk Ferentz is going to find a way to confuse Drew Aller. And Jim Harbaugh is going to find a way on defense to confuse Drew Aller. Um, but I'll go 10 and 2. And uh, uh, to me, that's a pretty optimistic number. If I had not missed so badly last year on my seven and five prediction, I, I'm and and I, I was a little closer. I probably would go nine and three this year because if I'm being completely honest, I think nine and three for me is more likely because all if one thing goes wrong, and that's Drew Aller's development. Nine and three is absolutely most like more likely. If Drew Aller does very very well, ten and two is possible. But it's it's probably more likely that Drew Aller will have ups and downs than it will be. He's just going to come out and be a superstar as a first year starter. However, I'm going to go ten and two. I'm sticking with it. I've gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I did consider eleven and one over the past week with the receivers. And if you can sit here and tell me that Drew Aller is going to be really good right off the bat and be very, very polished, hey, I would sit here and say 11-1 and is very possible. I, I just don't expect that from him in year one. This is the third and final segment of the We Are podcast here. I want to do some kind of house cleaning a little bit, uh, kind of jump around with, with some various thoughts on uh, certain things and give you an idea of what you can expect here from the Penn State coverage on uh, the website here for the next little while. So football season, things are going to quiet down now. Um, the transfer portal window is closed. Uh, we will get a new wide receivers coach named at some point. That'll be big news. I will still have a tremendous amount of uh, analysis or commentary um, on anything that happens even remotely related to Penn State. There will be a football story at DK Pittsburgh Sports about Penn State, if not every day, at least five days out of the week, uh, You know, maybe even six or seven days, depending on what's going on. Uh, no, I'm, I can't just make up things to do, but uh, football is a 365-day sport for Penn State, and if you're a Penn State fan, you expect to have football news just about every day. Things do get tough, you know, sometimes in, in late February or March before spring ball, and then after, you know, May, June, 
July can be really tough. But the goal is to still have football covered here, um, all over, you know, as much as we possibly can. Anything that's going on, I'm also going to be doing more wrestling here over the next couple of months with uh, Penn State being the number one team in the country. I think they're going to win the national championship, which would be the tenth for Kale Sanderson. Believe me, I know how popular the wrestling program is. Just shy of 16,000 at the wrestling uh, match on Friday against Michigan at, at the Jordan Center. Coming up this Friday now, they've got number two, Iowa, coming into the Jordan Center. That could top 16,000, number one versus number two. We all know the history, if you followed Penn State Wrestling at all, between them and the Hawkeyes. That should be fantastic. So I'm going to have more wrestling coverage. Now look, I'm not talking about a lot of features and everything. That's 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 never something I'm going to be doing here with Penn State. I'm not going to be doing a lot of individual player features on wrestlers or basketball. It, it'll all be more in lines of uh, the news of the day, the news of the week, some analysis here and there. What's coming up? You know what the, what the big picture stuff is. I'm not a real big believer. In writing a bunch of player features and touchy feely kinds of things. Look, folks, if you want those, you can get those from Penn State writers or whatever team you cover. My my niche, my thing is the big picture, the analysis, the commentary. Um, that's what we will always have here a lot as long as I'm here. But I'm going to have more with wrestling. Absolutely, I will have a lot with basketball coming up over the next month and a half. Penn State is on the bubble. Uh, we'll be on the bubble pretty much the entire rest of the regular season. As of right now, they're the second team out in Joe Lenardi's Bracketology on ESPN. So they're basically the number 70 team. And I keep saying if they go 10-10 and 10 in the Big Ten, they should be able to get into the tournament. Um, but they can't afford any bad losses. Uh, and so, they're, they're look, I love college basketball. It's my favorite sport. We will have a lot of Penn State basketball coverage here over the next uh, month and a half or so. I, I just started a new feature called the Weekend Primer. The plan is for that to appear every Saturday morning. It'll it'll be um, a mix of what's coming up for the weekend. There'll be some football stuff in there, certainly, but the Friday top five that I'm going to be doing will be pretty heavy football. The Weekend Primer may focus more on the wrestling, men's hockey, which has a top 10 program. I've got a, a men's volleyball item in there. There'll be some NFL stuff. I have a, a really good analysis uh, of Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders in the uh, weekend primer. If you want to check that out, uh, I'm recording this just after the Eagles absolutely destroyed the Giants. And what I wrote about was basically Miles Sanders has always been in Saquon Barkley's shadow ever since he got to Penn State in 2016. And he still is in the NFL. But you know what Miles Sanders could do that Saquon Barkley may never do? Miles Sanders could win a Super Bowl. Steelers have a sh- or the Eagles have a shot to win the Super Bowl this year. That's a good team. They got a lot of pieces in place. Miles Sanders has Sanders had uh looks like uh 90 yards rushing, 17 carries, 90 yards uh, against uh the Giants, and the Eagles move on to the NFC championship game. So those are the kinds of things I'll have in the weekend primer. Just a, a look ahead. Uh, as with anything we do here, I put this in the comments section. We need to see that you're interested in this stuff, that you want to read it, that these are topics that you care about. I spent 
three and a half hours on the weekend primer uh, early Saturday morning. Uh, as I sit, sit here right now, it's got 612 page views. That's pretty good. If I'm getting five, six, seven hundred page views on the weekend primer, I'll do, I'll, I'll spend three hours on it. It's a nice overview. Uh, if it's 150 page views, I'm not going to do it. And, and, and I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying here. This is not about click. This is not clickbait. I hate that word. I mentioned it in a comment last week. I'm not doing clickbait here. I'm not selling out for page views, but I'm going to, I want to give you things that you want to read. And you need to show me, you need to show all of us at DK Pittsburgh Sports if, what you want to read. Uh, DK has uh, some great stuff about uh, the pit coverage. Corey Christen's doing a terrific job with the pit beat. The numbers were a little down last week. Show us that you want the pit coverage. Go read the pit coverage. Corey Christen's doing an awesome job. So um, I, I, my goal in this has always been to give people interesting things to read. I got like 2,000, 2,500 words or so on the, on the Friday top 10 this week. That's it. That's a good read. The weekend primer will be an extensive read. And this is on top of all of the news and commentary that we'll have throughout the week. So, uh, anything that you want to see more of, let me know. I've heard from a lot of people about wrestling and hockey. Uh, absolutely. We'll have more wrestling coverage and basketball coverage. Hockey will de- depend on how well they do. Nittany Lions are kind of scuffling here over in Big Ten play. They're eight, seven, and one. But they did just set both Friday night and then they broke it again Saturday, the attendance record for a game at Pagula Ice Arena against Notre Dame. So that is uh, certainly there's great passion for Penn State hockey now. But that's kind of an idea of what I expect to be doing here over the next couple of months. If you have anything else that you want to see more of in print or more of on the podcast. People want interviews. I do plan to have some interviews with maybe some media folks and uh, I can get some other folks here on, on the weekly We Are podcast. But uh, I kind of like this for format myself. I enjoy coming, doing the 30, 40 minutes or so of, of what's going on, kind of recapping the week. So that is my preference. But anything that you guys want to see more of or less of, uh, let me know. I, if I, if there's one thing I would like to see more from people, and I mentioned this in a story on Friday, the, the Penn State readership numbers, uh, have been great. We had our best week of the season last week. Uh, the, the, the news about the, the wide receivers coach Stubblefield getting fired, that generated a lot of interest. The wide receivers getting Cephas, a lot of readership last week. Not a ton of comments on the stories. So I'm always a little surprised by, Sometimes the Penn State readership numbers will be great. And then I'll look and the stories have like 14, 15 comments. Uh, I'd like to get those in the 30 to 40 to 50 comment range, if at all possible. And, you know, if you make a comment, that's great. If you ask a question, I'm always in the comments. I'll try to answer as many questions as possible. What I want to do, and I think what DK wants to do with this site is, we want to make this a, 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 a an interactive place we're going to give you the news and the commentary and all that stuff. You come here and read it. You tell us what you think. Uh, and, and it's a two-way street. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic setup that DK has here um, that allows for, you know, again, that two-way street. We get to hear a lot from you. I always, always, always appreciate the comments that we have on the stories. Yeah, I'm a little surprised sometimes we don't have more of them on the Penn State stories. But hey. Anything you ever want to, to, to write on there or ask me any questions, 
Uh, I just know I'm always in there reading them as much as I can. Hey, folks, I appreciate you tuning in to the We Are podcast this week. We'll see what happens over the upcoming week here. I'm guessing we'll have a new wide receivers coach. That'll be something we can get into next week. And again, more wrestling and uh, basketball coverage you can expect out here on the side as well. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again next week.